There's no secret formula for better service throughout the customer journey. But there is the all-new service hub from HubSpot. It makes it infinitely easier to scale customer support and increase retention. By bringing service and support together in one powerful platform, you can deliver the best experiences for your customers and your teams. Free up time for your reps to focus on complex issues with an AI-powered help desk. Proactively drive retention with customer health scores that help keep your business ahead, stopping churn in its tracks. And give your entire go-to-market team the data they need to operate as one unified, powerful front. Also, you can easily support, strengthen, and grow your customer base. Secrets out. HubSpot Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. Howdy, folks. It is Thursday, September 15th. I'm Jacob Cohen here with Juliet Bennett-Ryla, and this is the Hustle Daily Show. Today, we're going to be talking about a decentralized museum that's raised almost $10 million. What that means, Juliet's going to tell us, because I'm honestly not quite sure. But she is, because she went there and spoke with the people involved. All this, as museums like New York's MoMA are considering raising tens of millions to go deeper into digital art. So we'll talk all about it. But before we get into all that, let's take a quick look at what else is going on in the business and tech world. Let's get crack a All right. First things first, SoftBank, the investment group whose Vision Funds investment unit Masayoshi Son started in 2017 in a bid to take over the venture capital world, is considering putting together a third Vision Fund, Vision Fund 3. Thing is, the initial $100 billion Vision Fund 1 was hit when massive bets didn't pan out, wink, wink, we work. And Vision Fund 2 is now worth 19% less than the $49 billion they put into it. The Tokyo-based giant would likely use its own money for a third fund if it goes forward with the plan. All right, moving along, some news out of the work office suite space. Zoom has been quietly developing email and calendar tools. The company's video software is obviously widely used. 200,000 businesses pay for Zoom. But to access Zoom, a lot of people go through gatekeepers like Google, Google Chrome, Gmail, or Microsoft with Teams and Outlook, and even Slack, you know, when you're looking at something like Zoom chats, and the company is looking to defend itself and open up some more business opportunities. Zoom has $230 million of cash in the bank, but sales have slowed, right? Things are moving offline, not on, and revenue rose just 8% to $1.1 billion in the July quarter, and its stock is down 85% from its peak two years ago. Meanwhile, Canva yesterday debuted a suite of visual tools for work, tools for documents, no-code website building presentations, and more. While its focus is on the visual elements of these items, it surely places it in closer proximity to something like Google and their work office suite. Do we think this is a smart move from Zoom, Juliet? Um, yes, I think this is a smart move from Zoom if its products are actually good. <laughs> I think it'll take a lot to get people to move away from the things that they're used to. And that means, yeah. you know, I want to do my video chats on Zoom. I want to do my email and Gmail until something comes along that convinces me and that it's better. And if you can make a Google Docs-like product where I can highlight something and change the size and it doesn't change the size of all the words next to it. That's it. I'm sold. That's all you need <laughs> to get me. My whole life is Google. I will change if you can do that for me. So we'll see. Yes. We work in Google docs a lot. And, uh, we have 
10 people working in the document, a lot of times the formatting could get wonky. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. if, if you can solve that problem for us, uh, we'll be the first to sign up. Yeah, 100%. I'm all in. Okay, moving along in other news, a package thought to contain explosives was sent to Northeastern University's VR lab in Boston, along with a note ranting about VR and Mark Zuckerberg, despite my own rants on VR and the fact that I live just outside of Boston. I was not the culprit. Also, Netflix is holding its global fan event, ta for company news and first looks at new content on September 24th. And Adobe found the three most misunderstood emoji are the face with the cowboy hat, the cherries, and the upside down smiley face, which I use quite frequently, so I guess I'm very misunderstood. <laughs> and lastly, before we get to the main story, Bronco Wine Company co-founder Fred Franzia, the man behind Trader Joe's two-buck chuck wine, has died at 79. Our colleague Zach did a whole big feature on him and the story of two-buck chuck back in 2018. When he found that Trader Joe's at the time had sold over a billion bottles of Two Buck Chuck since debuting the beverage in 2002 and that some locations sell as many as 6,000 bottles a day, around 16% of the average store's daily sales. Chuck, I guess we'll see you on the other side. (laughs) All right. And with that, let's talk about a decentralized museum. Juliet, what does that even mean? Okay, so when somebody first told me about this, I was like, that sounds stupid and I don't want to go. <laughs> but then I heard a little bit more about it and I was like, that sounds pretty cool. So I went to a launch event in Los Angeles for it. And here's what I learned. It is called Archive and it's not online at all, really. Everything that they acquire is a real object. And when I say real object, I mean like that could be a physical piece of art, but it could also be a video, one of the acquisitions is a video, or it could be a piece of performance art or a dance, but it it is something that exists in the real world. So these aren't just digital artworks or NFTs. I suppose on the line, there certainly could be a piece of digital art, but right now that's not what they are. What it does mean though, is it does not have a building. There is no place that you go and that's the archive museum. Members sign up online and they participate in the curation process whether that is people saying like, okay, here are the five items you can vote on or people submitting an item and saying like, I think we should acquire this. And then when they decide on a piece that they're going to acquire, they do record that acquisition on blockchain. So there's your crypto element. Mm -hmm. And memberships are like NFTs. Yeah. And the point of the whole thing is that uh, it it kind of reminded me as he was describing it, like the opposite of Indiana Jones. Because Indiana Jones is always like, I got to take this thing because it belongs in a museum. But uh, more recently, a lot of people have been asking, does it really belong in a museum? Like I was just reading about some artwork from what is now Nigeria that was ultimately looted by explorers from like the British Empire and putting it in a museum way over here. It has nothing to do with Mm. the culture where it was taken, but now it's over here. Yeah. So there's a lot of push to decolonialize museums and not just make them more diverse, but give stuff back. Okay. So with Archive, because there's not a museum, anything that they acquire can go anywhere. So there's no central place that it has to go. It's just kind of like if they were to ultimately acquire something that, let's say, the artist was from San Francisco and they were really embedded in queer culture there, like it doesn't have to go in a museum. It could go in like a a coffee shop and anyone who went in there could see it. Okay. So right now they only have five acquisitions. That's not a whole lot. They are aiming to have over 30 by the end of next year. But eventually it'll be an app. So let's say you are an archive member or you're an archive enthusiast at this point 
and you land in New York and you're like, oh, I wonder if there's any art here. Uh, the way it was described is it'll kind of look like Pokemon Go, where you're like, oh, there's a piece of art over here and I'm going to go look at it and then you can check into it. That's cool. This all reminded me yesterday I was reading about the MoMA and apparently, you know, they typically have gotten around three million visitors a year. Last year, they were only getting around one and a half million they're looking to sell about $70 million or more uh, worth of art this fall to expand their digital footprint. And even I read possibly create a streaming channel, which is interesting. And, you know, last year, 35 million people engaged with their online content across the website, YouTube, social media. That was up from about 30 million before the pandemic. And they've dabbled not so, super closely with this kind of stuff with NFTs yet, but they apparently have a team of people just monitoring this space. And I could see them doing some cool things here. I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Yeah. I think the pandemic really pushed people to consider what they could and could not do online. And over that time period, especially in the first year, I saw a lot of really bad virtual art that just <laughs> did not work. Plays where it was like, I am going to mute myself and turn off my camera and not pay attention to this because it's bad. But I also saw a really a, a lot of really amazing art. I, went, I saw a Zoom magic show where someone like did a trick from their computer inside someone else's house. I don't even know how it worked. That's amazing. Like I saw some stuff that was really cool. And I think we saw a lot of creativity around what can be done online. I don't think it's ever going to fully replace in-person art. We know that people are back in museums to a certain extent. They're back in movie theaters and playhouses. But I do think there's a lot of potential there for some really cool art that's accessible to you wherever you are in the world. Yeah. All right, bada bing, bada boom. That's going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks for tuning in to the Hustle Daily Show. We're proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Ezra Trupiano, our executive producer is Darren Clark. I'm Jacob Cohen here with Julia Benarila. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. If you're not subscribed, what the heck are you doing? Go get yourself signed up at thehustle.co. Have a terrific Thursday, and we'll see you tomorrow.